The scripture reading for today's message comes from the 15th chapter of Luke, verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them a parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. And thank you, Lord, for this week as we, uh, as we interview uh, uh, folks to, to lead us in, uh, in, in our ministry of music here in the contemporary worship service. We pray that you be with us. Give us discernment. And now, Lord, we pray as your word is proclaimed that you clear our hearts and our minds to receive your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen. That's right. A few months ago, I lost my billfold. I thought, well, I've left it at home in, in the usual spots, you know, where you put your keys and your glasses and your billfold and all that stuff. Usual spot. So I went home. And sure enough, it wasn't there. No billfold. Came back to church, accused everybody here at church uh, that, that was on staff and, and those that had been in that morning. Uh, you know, I said, hey, give me my billfold back. I need it. You see, it was going to cost me a great inconvenience. Credit cards, driver's license. Y'all know this bill uh, if, if you've ever lost one. But anyway, I was in a panic. I really and truly was. And as I read these scriptures this week, I'll just be real honest with you. I had to go back and look at my own life, not your life, my life. And think about the panic I was in over a lost billfold, over an inconvenience. And I had to ask myself this question. Tommy, how big of a panic are you in over people who are lost? I wasn't asking that about y'all. I had to ask myself that about me. We're not real comfortable many times in church today talking about the lost, and, and far be it from me to, to say who's saved and who's not saved. That, that's between you and God. But Jesus did talk about being able to, to recognize um, a disciple. 
He, he said that, that you will know them by the fruits that, that they bear. So I got to asking myself, what can I do as one of the pastors here at Heber Springs, First United Methodist Church, to be available to people, for people, that want to talk about their salvation? What can I do to make myself more available? Think about leaving the 99. Think about leaving you guys and going out here to find one. You see, it's one at a time. Folks want to know how that you're led to Christ one at a time. That's a dangerous thing. Well, you see, it's easy for us to stay all cobbled up here together in our nice little neat Sunday school and disciple Bible study classes for us to love on one another until there's no longer anybody to love on. Why? Because we get, we get old and die. Just saying. I'm, I'm talking about me. How dangerous it is to go to trailer parks. How dangerous it is to think about a park service. Because you see, for most of the time, why it's dangerous is because those folks, they ain't like we are. You know what I'm saying? They're not like us. It might not make a lot of sense to us, but Jesus reminds us the author and perfecter of our faith, who, you're base, who that you're basing your eternity on is Jesus, right? If he says something, shouldn't we do it? Shouldn't we do it? Jesus tells us the neat part is when we find that lost sheep, throw it over your shoulder, and not literally some human, throw it over your shoulder, and rejoice. But we do rejoice. We rejoice about everything else. This has a lot more to do than simply thinking about it. Church, it's time that we put our faith into action. There's no doubt in my mind that we're not prayed up. The thing about going to find the one, that person, and being with people is the conviction in our hearts. They, when I talk about conviction, I, I'm talking about a lot of people may call it conscience or, 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 or whatever, but that tug, that desire that you have in your heart to share Jesus Christ with someone else, someone who may not know. They'll let you know pretty quick if, they, if they're a Christian or not. I mean, they'll say, hey, I get it, or I, I this, or I that. So many times we stay in the same rut in the church. We get to thinking, and it can become overwhelming. Well, where are the, where the other 700 people? that are members of this church. Where are they at today? The same place they were 10 years ago when I got here. There's, 12, there's over 1,200 members in this church. And we'll have four to 500 
on Sunday morning. That's fixed and changed with a new building. But, but, it can become overwhelming. What I'm asking the church to do and myself to do and reminding myself to do, people are led to Christ one person at a time. One person at a time. Relationships, getting to know people. That's invaluable when you're talking about leading others to Christ. Finding out who they are, what they do, how many kids they have, where they live, what their needs are. You know, the scripture says, let him know that he who converts a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and will hide a multitude of sins. How about that, church? How much in a panic are we over that? Our evangelism goes beyond what we think that, that it should be for, because Jesus says there's more to it than that. Go share the gospel. Share it at ball games. Share it at Walmart. Anywhere that we are, we're supposed to be able to give an account for the hope that resides in us. To people. Folks can see your life in shambles and yet you have a smile on your face and you're being kind to people and folks say where does she or, or he get that? Where do you get that at? Then we're able to share Jesus with other folks. And not only that, once that we do decide and it's an intentional thing, believe me. It's an intentional thing that, that we're going to do that other than the church changing is that the church, to, to use terms that was used in, in my day, seeker-friendly. Seeker-friendly. Somebody comes in here and has kids and, and, and wants to go to the nursery. How do they get there? And I know we've talked about this for this past year, uh, about or, or going to a Sunday school class. It, it took me three months to figure out my way around here when I came here. I, I remember it was scary. Tim shaking his head, yeah, out too. Was, it's going to get worse than that. But to be able, Tim and I this morning was, was visiting with some folks about where their Sunday school class was meeting in. To be able to be seeker-friendly, for folks to be able to come in here and not feel so intimidated about how we worship, what we, uh, what we sing. Making church as seeker-friendly as we possibly can. Nurseries, classrooms, Sunday school classes, disciples, everything here is to win, disciple, and serve and glorify God in all that we do. Our kindergartners know that. And that happens when we include new people. It's not just about carrying the gospel out, but it's about making worship and ministry inviting for new people. Folks that have gifts that, that go beyond measure, God gifting and gracing people, and, and uh, you know, who, who would we ever be to stand in their way? To stand in the way of the Holy Spirit and what people and what God's calling people to do. I was reading an article in a magazine 
this past week, and it said a family that was in the practice of going to church, uh, they attended a large formal wedding of a friend. Folks will go to funerals and weddings. Y'all know that? And, and I better hush. These are folks that don't go to church today. The family's youngest child, he was age three, he sat on his dad's knee watching everything that was going around. And there came a time for the service to begin when a hymn was to be sung. And the organist crashed down with his opening chords, you know, pedaled to the metal thing. In order, in order to make a good show, immediately the little boy cringed in terror, threw his arms around his dad's neck, pleading, Daddy, make them stop the spooky music. That can happen. It won't happen here because we don't have an organ player. But, but that can happen. That can become really, really real. Uh, have you ever been spooked in a worship service before? I have. David says he is. I have. To those not familiar with the weird and wonderful ways of the church, our traditions and forms can seem not just odd, but downright threatening. Just telling you. Just telling you. We forget that the language and liturgy, familiar to we who are initiated, is strange and intimidating to those whose feet seldom stray into a church. The great French philosopher and skeptic Voltaire said, if you would speak to me, you must first learn to speak my language. Unfortunately, the church can sound and seem that arrogant in its insistence upon learning the ecclesiastical language and customs before speaking to God. While it's true that, that the church serves as the community for the faithful, of course we do. A place where we, you and I can feel at home. You hear me say many times after Holy Communion, I, I say, I wish we could just stay here. But we can. It's the mission of the church to become outward focused, to not become some sort of clan that's all about ourselves. The church cannot use its desire to be seeker-friendly to the known and the knowledgeable, able members of congregation as an excuse to be inaccessible to those still living outside the walls of the church. We think what we can give up and what we can't give up. And we haggle over that a lot more than what God will. The greater part of the church's mission is to be seeker-friendly, to offer to the lost and the lonely ones of the earth easy access to divine love and salvation that awaits them in Jesus Christ. And we do that one person at a time. Stanley Halvos has suggested somewhat that God is at work. In the decline of the mainline church, he suggests that an inward-term focus on so many churches 
has made their existence irrelevant. Not to those who are lost, but only to those who are already found. I say this to all of us today, all of you that are listening on the radio. Has church become that irrelevant to you? That you don't feel like that, that you have, a, have the need to be in the community of faith? To be a part of what God's blessing? It's easier. It's easier for us to stay where we are. Because you see, when you go and you seek that lost sheep that Jesus talks about, those people are not going to be just like us. I'll never, ever uh, forget John Ed Matheson at Fraser Memorial United Methodist Church. Many of you know who I'm talking about. Told me one time, he says, Tommy, you have to protect your new people from the saints of the church. How sad that is. Because you see, we might sit in somebody's pew. We can laugh about it, but that's true. Or or we might not speak the language. Or maybe our hearts are just hardened and callous where it's not important to us anymore. The church's mission is to ring out the good news of the gospel to all people, to those of us who are here and those who are on the outside of the walls of the church. When we only look at the needs and the comforts of those already in our midst, we I feel like we take on the role of an Esau. Selling out our birthright for a mess of comfortable in-house porridge. Evangelism. Roy Fish, I think it's a nail on the head when he emphasizes the difference between come and hear and go and tell ministries. People often say, come and hear the gospel taught in our church. Come and hear our evangelist that we brought in to preach. He says this kind, this come and hear kind of religion constitutes a reversal of the great commission of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus tell us to do? He tell folks to come and hear, or did he tell us to go? He said, go. His instructions to his church were not simply to come in here, but for us as Christian people to go and tell. The main responsibility is to not bring the lost to the gospel, but to take the gospel to the lost. Jesus wants us to go and witness. But we've interpreted that to mean at our convenience and with people for the most part who are just like 
us. Tell you a story about something that haunted me on that day and still haunts me today. But the good news is for all of us, I'm not God. In 1994, we held our breath with a sigh of relief when convicted serial murderer Jeffrey Dahmer was murdered by a fellow prison inmate. As reports of Dahmer's life since his imprisonment fill the news, how many of us cringed versus how many of us cheered on learning that Dahmer had found Christ. Y'all do know he did, don't you? Come on, church, whether you like it or not. Uh, I mean, I, I don't like him either. But, but like I said, the good news is we're not God. Well, he found Christ. We celebrate that? Anybody here celebrate that? Okay. Okay. Good. Good. He had been baptized. The Church of Christ preacher was convinced that it was the real deal. And he had peace as a result. It was strangely hard news to hear for a lot of us who call ourselves Christians, myself included. Most death row inmates tend to have a deathbed conversion, confessing their faith right before their scheduled execution. We know that. After all the evil these individuals have done during their lives, the church finds it difficult to rejoice in what would ordinarily be considered good news. But I ask you this morning, who needs the message of God's love and redemption more than these people? Christ did not die to save only a few of us nice people or those of us who are just a little bit bad. Christ came to offer repentance and forgiveness to all who ask and all who receive him and his word. That's the deal right there. And we should rejoice at that. It is the completely lost sheep, the totally disappeared coin that sets us as, as the searcher on an all-out recovery mission. How does the church become one that will go beyond the walls of the church? One that truly acknowledges that we really believe our mission statement is our mission statement to win, disciple, and to serve, and to glorify God in all that we do, one person at a time. I know this past week, the week before that, the week before that, and this coming week, that God will put someone in your path to whom you need to pray for giving them that opportunity. You see, I had, a, I had an old farmer when I was a pastor in the church at Wiener ask me one day, sort of a smart aleck, but, but anyway, most farmers, no, most farmers are not, that he said, 
Preacher, you saved anybody lately? And that infuriated me. I, I thought, Bobby, Bobby Lynn was his name. You've been in church all your life. Why would you ask a question like that? And so I said, no, Bobby, I don't, I don't have that power. We don't have that power. What we're to do is to introduce, to say, hey, let me tell you my story in a minute or less. Don't wear people out. You can tell your story in a minute. I know I've tried. I've practiced mine. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. And so, and so to share that with a world that's broken and fallen to a world that so desperately needs grace, and needs to understand grace. I think it would be well if the church understood grace. God's unmerited favor toward us. It's not anything you've done. Not anything that I've done. It's because God is God. How do we become that church that goes out and then brings people in and then take care of people after they get here? You can come through this door and go out that door. What I have to ask myself as one of the pastors of this church and my staff and all of you responsible Christians, how inviting are we after folks get into church? Seeking the lost, that's one thing. Retaining them who are not just like us. Now, I'm talking about people that are not like us. I'm talking about folks that, that don't like the same music or those that don't, really don't like anything. So who are our neighbors? Jesus had an awful lot to say about that. Who's our neighbors? Who lives next door to you? Across the back lot, around the corner, and just as importantly, do they know who you are? Do they know that you're a Christian by the way you talk, the way you act, the way you treat folks? Where do our teenage kids hang out at? We don't have them all. Everywhere they're at, the church should have a presence there. Everywhere that our kiddos are at, the church should have a presence there. Will it be in a local park or wherever it might be? What about those people that are my age? 46. And <laughs> the greatest number of the, this third age folks that I want to talk about, those between 55 and 75. Where are we at? I know where a bunch of us my age are at, and this is for all you folks listening. We're not in church. That's a fact. People my age are not in church. Seeker-friendly means being friendly to seekers. <laughs> That's funnier than that. Being friendly, in case you've forgotten, means extending yourself. Going out of, uh, out of your way, showing interest in others, even showing interest in their interest. 
even when they're not interested in you. Being seeker-friendly often means that you become the seeker moving out from behind the church structure and, and these facilities out into the community. Sunday's service turned into a Sunday of service for 250 members at Park Road Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. The pastor canceled the morning worship and encouraged members to do acts of kindness in their community. Volunteers fanned out to 15 different sites to paint and landscape for the homeless, to clean concrete blocks for Habitat for Humanity, wallpaper and paint an emergency shelter, feed the poor, lead devotionals at a nursing home. Senior adults and children stayed behind in the church to make tote bags and blankets for the homeless. The day closed with a 7 p.m. worship service. It became a spiritual renewal for our people. Senior Minister Alan Lehman told National and International Religion Report. He said that many of his congregants gave money to groups that minister to the poor, but never rub shoulders with them. Are we seeker-friendly? Are we looking out, not just on Sunday morning, but every day of the week, and being hospitable to people that would come? There are, there's people by this church every single day, usually a bunch of folks. Are we a place where the lost can find Christ without us spooking them away? My billfold was standing on edge between my seat and a recess below my seat in my truck. I felt, I felt great when I saw it. How much rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents? That was just a billfold. God's looking at souls, shouldn't his church? Praise team comes this morning. I'm going to ask you to consider who is it that that the Lord may be laying on your heart to pray for. Someone without being condemning, of course, because the fact of the matter is you never really know anyone's heart. But to pray, to open yourselves up enough to pray for people who are lost. Are you bold enough to pray that prayer today? And if you are, know that the Lord hears that and is holding you accountable to that. We have the greatest opportunity that we could ever have right here, right now, in this local congregation to make a difference for the kingdom of God. The Lord has done all that that he could do and given us his son. 
by sending the, the Holy Spirit to encourage us, to teach us, to remind us of all that Jesus has said, said and did while on this earth. Would we be so arrogant as to not pray for the lost? <laughs>